Welcome to the Super Sentai Brothers. This is episode 38 of the Spy Who Loved Mega Ranger, Internet's best and only podcast dedicated to Denji Sentai Mega Ranger. Every week we watch an episode of the show and we share our thoughts with you, the listener. My name is Matt J. With me as always is my co-host and brother Dave. Dave, how are you doing today? Doing pretty well, man. Doing pretty well. Uh, I <laughs> was, it was a beautiful day out. I was in... That's uh, not in true. A, it's very nice day. It's sunny. The snow got all melty. Wasn't too cold. It's really know. it's it the was sunshine. like thirty four degrees this morning. Uh, and oh, it's late okay. April. I am not counting like the sun was out for part of the day, but I'm not counting that as nice. You know, man, I was in a I was, it was so a, I'm doing it's a these... beautiful February day. But there it's you go. mid but it's late April. So I'm in this continuing education class and uh, they, they insist on doing like icebreakers, right? Like how was you know and one of them was like, let's do a weather weather check. How's your weather today? And I was like, my weather check is ah, my weather check is directly correlated to the actual literal weather check. Like that's how I am. If it's sunny, I'm good. And if it's cloudy, I'm sad. Like that's where I'm at right yep. now. <laughs> I was gonna make a joke about that, but then I remembered that we have so few things to talk about anymore, Dave, that we have literally already made the joke that I was about to make about the weather. Hey! Um, well, Matt, I think that's actually a great segue into our first star. Matt, what is our first star of the week? David, you didn't give me a chance to segue into telling you what the episode was called this week. Oh, sorry. See, I'm an absolute, I'm a rank amateur at transitioning into the stars. I should have left it in the hands of the professionals. I mean, you've been here for every one of them. Uh, yeah, a big difference between observing and doing, Matt. Well, that's true. That's true. Uh, and speaking of observing, Dave, uh, today we're watching episode 38 of Denji Sentai Mega Ranger. It is called See, that's Scary. how pro handles it. Nezi Regia's Fiendish Squadron. But of course, before we get into that, Dave, shining in the heavens, there are five stars. That is the name of our officially award-winning opening segment. Dave, would you like to know what the first star of the week is? Man, I sure would. Dave, it's an isolation update. Isolation update. Bring it back. Uh, Dave, Isolation Update was started a little over a year ago. It was a weekly weekly segment that we did for a couple of months before we retired it in, I don't know. (laughs) Maybe we thought that we wouldn't be isolated anymore for that long uh, when we retired it. Um, In any case. No, I feel like, I think we retired it because it was just, it was becoming like extremely repetitive. (laughs) Very tedious. Um, But Dave, okay, so. I am now uh, the the Super Sentai Brothers podcast is now a a fully vaccinated podcast. You and I uh, and producer Mark actually have all gotten both shots. Like yeah. we are, like we are good on that front. I am a couple of days away from the because you know you're supposed to like wait two weeks after you get the second shot to like let it sort of fully right, to go everything your system. kind of percolate. Yeah, so. Uh, we, as we record this, it is a Thursday. On Tuesday, that will be my, like, two-week time. That is the day that I, like, kick down the front door of my apartment and, like, walk back out into the world, right? Nice. Very excited. I'm going to go work in the office that day. And then afterwards, I'm going to go to the bar and drink beer with people in in a public space. It's going to be Dude. crazy. That's no, that sounds amazing and excellent. So like my, I'm a little bit weird. So like I was actually able to get vaccinated uh, fairly early on because Mm -hmm. I'm a teacher, right? But in a weird way, like I got vaccinated so early on that nobody else was, like basically nobody else I knew was vaccinated outside of like my work colleagues, Right. right? And then also, I'm in the house of there's like, you know, I've got two little kids. And then uh, Beth has like a bunch of like autoimmune stuff. And so she has not gotten vaccinated yet. Mm-hmm. And so like, I am not yet able to kind of like fully 
Like reap fully, the benefits of... Yeah, fully reap the benefits. Mostly it just meant that I could go back to work. Right. Which, Which actually, is, it's like, listen... Good. Yeah, no, no, no. I felt I was very happy to. I was very. Uh, I felt very lucky to get it early on, and uh, you know, not to, not just sour grapes. I'm just saying I'm not going to the bar <laughs> anytime soon. Uh, well, so the, here, here's the thing, Dave. Though is that like now I feel like I had plateaued in a way mm-hmm. a long time ago. Like I was just sort of on this one level for a long time. We're like, well. Everything's bad and this nothing is, just, is changing for a long time, yeah. and that's and this is just where I'm at. And uh, even when like vaccine the vaccines were getting rolled out, and like I finally got an appointment and had the first shot, I was like, okay, well, you know, like things are moving forward, and that's good, and eventually, you know, things will change for me. But then, like a few days ago, you know, on Tuesday, I was like, oh, next week, like. It's next week. That's it. Like, like that's it. Like, there is one more week, and then, you know, like, I am as um, immunized as I'm going to be, and, like, you know, my life can change for the better. And it is to the point now where, like, I'm just sitting at my desk in mm-hmm. my room, it, like, you know, working all day, and just, like, trying to, like, focus on any single thing and my brain just and can't, it's just you can't, I, I just can't right. do it. It's like my teeth are vibrating. I just need like <laughs> the next few days to pass. And it's not just during the workday. Like as soon as work ends, I'm like, okay, good. I don't have to worry about the fact that I can't focus on work at all this week. And I go into the other room in my apartment, which is the place where I spend the other half of my time. And I sit down <laughs> on the couch, as opposed to sitting down at my desk. And I pick up a video game controller. And I'm like, yeah, I'm going to relax now. And then I just like turn on the video, you know, I turn on the Switch or the Xbox, and I just stare at the screen, and I'm like, I can't even decide what video game I want to play. And I play something for like five minutes, and I'm like, okay, I'm done with this. I can't focus on this. What else you got for me, video games? <laughs> like, be it work or, like, relaxation. Like, no thing can hold my attention, because all of those things are in my apartment, which is where I do not want to be. And now that I can sense, like, now that I can finally, like, see, like, the, you know, like, like, it's right there. It's right there, Dave. But, I'm like, I just want to go to the movies or whatever, you know? And, like, mm-hmm. and it's right there. And it's, I, I have no, I have no more, I have nothing else to say about this. I'm just going to keep saying it's right there until we go to the next star. So we may as well do that now, Dave. What is our second star of the week? So, man, our second star of the week is Bun Vulcan. Welcome to Bun Vulcan. Now, with the caveat that this is actually not a super recent Bun Vulcan, it's something that I did do a little while ago, but realized I never talked about. Hmm. This was back during spring break. Mom and Dad were up. You were actually over uh, for most of the weekend, for uh, Easter weekend. Yep. And Bunny Bear, I forget under what context... But felt that he had been promised donuts. Uh, and so yes. we're like, yeah. And so we're like, listen, man, we're not going to go get donuts just because, like, we're not. But, like, I understand that you, like, I understand that you thought donuts were on offer. And that's, an, you know, that's a reasonable miscommunication. Like, I understand how you get there. And so for the sake of your heart, we're going to figure this out. So I said, you know what, man? I've never made donuts. I'm going to make some donuts. But it was uh, also the middle of Pesach. And so there was no leavening in my house. Mm-hmm. Um, I, don't know if I've ever, I don't know if I've ever mentioned this before, but um, Beth is Jewish. And so we... Um, I feel like it must have come up at some point in the last years. I feel like it has. But anyways, so like I'm kind of Jew-ish. Haha, that's my dumb joke about it. Um, So anyways, we do do so. So anyways, we we observe Pesach. So there was no yeast in my house. So I can't make yeast of donuts, right? So I'm like, what am I going to do? And then I remember uh, that Alton Brown has a recipe for what he calls a bonut which is a cross between a biscuit and a donut. And when I say a cross, I mean 
it's a deep fried biscuit. <laughs> and so I did have all the ingredients for that. Now it does have it does have a chemical leavener in it. Some people are like, ooh, no chemical leaveners even during Pesach. I'm like, whatever, it's not yeast. Anyways, so I made I made bonuts, man, deep fried biscuits with a uh, lemon, a slight lemon and something else glaze. I can't remember what I Almond, flavored I the glaze with. What? Was there any almond in it? Almond. That may have been it. I often, if something calls for vanilla extract, mm-hmm. as often as not, I will substitute almond extract. Not always, but it's a lot. Like, I do do that a lot. I really well, like it. it anyway, they, uh, they were bonkers good. Yeah, they, yeah, were, they, were, ex- they were extremely delicious. I think I probably had, I think they were a little bit too thick. The inside of the the very center was a little bit was still a little bit doughy by the time the outside was done. So I think I could roll them a little bit thinner than I did, but you know, next time. Anyway, so I made bonuts, Matt, and they were delicious. Uh, strong, strong recommend. What is our third star of the week, Dave? Our third star of the week is um, so the other day the trailer for Shang Chi and the. Uh, the Ten Rings, yes. I think the movie is called. Yes, Legend of the Ten Legend Rings. Of the Ten Rings. Um, I th- yeah, something like that. Anyway, that came out, and that looks good. But that's not what I want to talk about. Very briefly, the first seven minutes of Mortal Kombat was also released, and it also looks extremely good. Okay. I would like to... I, I mean, I haven't seen that, but I'm interested. Anyway, so I'm, I'm watching the trailer for um, the Shang-Chi movie, and I am reminded uh, while watching it that Shang-Chi's father is being played by Tony Leung. Yes. Um, the legend. Who, who is amazing. Yeah, Tony Leung rules. So I'm like primarily familiar with Tony Leung from um, uh, like action movies. He's in The Killer. He was um, in Killer. No, I'm sorry. He he's not in the Killer. He's in Hard Boiled. He's in Hard Boiled. He's in Hero. I'd forgotten that he's in Hero. He plays Broken Sword in Hero. Oh, that's right. Dude, have you watched Hero recently? Uh, I It might have, have been a star not, a few years ago because I watched I, it with Katie when she was living with me like a year or two ago. I do periodically. I haven't watched the whole thing in a really long time. I do periodically go back and watch the scene between um, with Donnie Yen, with Jet Li uh, yeah. and Johnny Yen, with the spear, where mm-hmm. they're like fighting in their minds. And that, oh man, mm. extremely good. Um, anyway, so I was like, man, Tony Leung, I should like watch more movies that he has been in. Because um, I know that, like, like I said, I primarily know him from like action movies, um, but he's in a bunch of like romantic, dramatic movies as well. Um, He's been in, like, you know, tons and tons of movies, but I've only seen a few. Um, right. So I just go on Amazon Prime Video, which is not my preferred service, but it's the one that is most likely to have, like, um, non-mainstream movies. That's legit. Yeah, that's reasonable to say. You know, it's wild how much that used to change, because that Netflix used to be that. Like, Netflix did not have mainstream movies. Yeah, but now... And now it, was, it was really great, though, if you wanted to watch, like, 1993, like, Hong Kong action flicks. Like, right. Netflix was the spot. But now Netflix is just like, well, Netflix shows the stuff that Netflix makes, and also the stuff that is very popular. And everything else is like, moved to another platform. And I get and like you know old spaghetti westerns and kung fu movies are mostly if you're gonna find them you're gonna find them on Amazon Prime. Anyway, so I go in and I'm like totally young. Show me his movies, and there's only a handful of them that are on Prime. But one of them that I found is this. It's a recut version of a 1994 Wong Kar Wai directed movie called Ashes of Time. Now, Dave. This okay. movie, uh, and Wong Kar Wai is apparently this like, uh, like legendary um, director. All right, sounds who, great. Who again is a name I'm familiar with, but I I had not seen any of his movies, and so I'm like, oh, I've heard of the name of that director. I know one of the actors in it because it's Tony Young, um, and I apologize that I'm probably pronouncing both of their names incorrectly. But 
I watched this movie, and it was such a weird experience because it's a beautiful movie. It actually kind of reminds me in some way of like Hero, and not not so much Hero, more like Crouching Tiger in that specifically. Not just because oh, they are like you know movies of a similar vintage with swords. Um, yeah, I really should go back and watch Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon again. You absolutely should. That's another one I watched recently in the last rewatched in the last few years. No, the thing that specifically um, reminded me of it is that you know how Crouching Tiger is like uh, it's an adaptation of like the third book in a five book series or something. Yes, yeah, but there were not adaptations of the other books in the series. Yeah, correct. Um, and so you're like, Crime well, true. like there's a lot of stuff going on here, um, and I'm not sure what the context for any of it is, but like it sort of gets you up to speed, right? Ashes of Time is like that, in in that okay. it is a adaptation of like a literary work, or or something like that. Um, but it, what's weird about it is that it doesn't. It does not seem particularly concerned with getting you, the viewer, up to speed on what is happening. Okay. Like, the characters... <laughs> and it's like a series of vignettes, right? That all okay. sort of, like, center on this one guy. And, like, a couple of characters that, like, circle each other. And, like, the characters are all, like, you know, assured in what they are doing... But, like, at no point am I sure what is happening until kind of right at the end I, like, kind of put a few things together. And I think if I watched it again, I would understand it more. But it's a, it's beautifully shot. The fight scenes are directed by Sammo Hung, which are choreographed by Sammo Hung, which, like, nice. you know, hey, you know. Uh, and so I watched this movie. I'm like, man, that was a very, like... Like, I was wrapped by this movie, right? Like, I found it very compelling, although, you know, hard to sort of uh, parse. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, I should look up a review of this movie. Like, it's a famous director. I know that that there's got to be reviews of this movie. So I look it up, and I find a Roger Ebert review. And I'm like, okay, Roger Ebert, like, this is going to be a real review of this movie. It's not just, like, you know, website review from website.com. Um, so I click on it and I'm like, and he will explain to me what has happened in this movie. I come into this thing and Roger, <laughs> this is the Robert, guy, He's, this Roger is his Ebert's, whole job. This is his thing. Yeah. Roger Ebert's like, man, this movie looks great. And I really liked watching it. No idea what happened though. And then in his <laughs> review, he was like, so I went to go read somebody else's review and I could, and like reading their review was not very helpful. It was like, yeah, there's a guy with a sword in the desert. And that's true. Yeah, so I've tried to I've tried to recreate that experience for you, right? And like like three pull like two or three paragraphs of his review were like I had trouble understanding the credits because like sometimes like the actors has like one like you know like um, anglicized name, um, but not another one, and I'm not sure which is supposed to be the first name and which is supposed to be the last name. And I'm really really trying here, but like it never seems quite clear to me. And then he just like talks about that for two paragraphs before he circles back around to saying like it's beautiful yeah you should watch it probably (laughs) anyway so ashes of time redux you should watch it probably it's good uh what's our maybe what's what's our fourth star of the week dave (laughs) so our fourth star of the week i actually want to circle back on stardew valley just for a minute yeah sure so i felt a little bit because it's a very old game at this point it felt a little bit weird to talk about it that has never stopped us before. Yeah, I was going to... You made the very good point that that's true. Now, have you... I We talked about this briefly the other day. Have you played Stardew Valley at all? No, I have never played it. I have, like... I have looked over a friend's shoulder as they played it, like, on their phone, like, at the bar at one point. They're like, oh, yeah, you've got a, you got a house there and a, and a town hall. Cool. And I know that there are, like, distinct portions of the game there's like a romance part and a farming part and a dungeon crawling part i think okay yes and that's okay. kind of so all i know about it here's the thing that's all true mm-hmm. but also this it has like a very like welcome to night veil vibe to it oh interesting so, like, the first, when you start 
when you start playing the game, right, the, the, the premise of the game is that your grandfather has left you this farm. All right. Okay. And he says, when you finally can't take it anymore in this rat race, open this envelope. And you are, like, working at some, like, wage slave job, and you open the envelope, and it's the deed to the farm. So you go out to the farm. And at first, you're like, oh, this is, like, this is just, like, you know, kind of a Minecraft Terraria light. Like, it's a farming game. You're, like, hoeing the earth and planting seeds, and, like, that's all great, right? Yeah, farm stuff. Farm stuff. And then you find, like, on your farm, there's your grandfather's grave is there and it says like on the third anniversary of you moving here stay up because i'll be back like what (laughs) like you're yeah his gravestone just contains like a prediction that he will rise again and then there's like a dungeon and like you're going through the dungeon or it's like at first it's just like a mine right Mm-hmm. And then as you go, like, deeper and deeper, you're very definitely, like, tunneling into the underworld. Like, there are skeletons in the walls. I, like, walked out into a roadway, and there was just, like, a shadowy figure that appeared for a moment and then immediately flashed away. <laughs> so, like, it starts off, and you're just like, oh, this is this very cool... Me-. And then, like, very quickly you realize... That there's like a lot of weirdness going on, like directly underneath the surface of Stardew Valley. So, I haven't gotten to delve too, 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 too much into it, but um, it continues to be a dope game. It's a lot of fun. So, what Matt is our fifth star of the week? Dave, fifth star of the week is uh, it's a continuation of a conversation we had last week, and Dave, it's. It's it's something that I would like to start calling Segment Quest. Dave, we're trying to get a new segment. We're trying to get a new segment. The other podcasting so we were... brothers, they've never been more vulnerable. Now is our time to strike, but we need a good segment to be able to overtake them. Now, this was a suggestion that Mark had, because we kind of opened this up to our daily listserv. And uh, Mark, so producer Mark, he said, I want a segment where you read Dear Abby and Landers, etc. questions from the past and actually answer, but answer them today. Now, I love this idea because these questions are amazing. I do, as I'm leading into it, realize that this is a pretty close cop. We are. Yeah, the, I like this and I think we can give it a shot. The problem with it is, as you say, we're kind of stealing their jazz a little bit. Just like finding little questions. Because I, I was thinking about Segment Quest today, Dave. Segment Quest. The thing about segments, right, is I feel like we got a couple of options. We could either talk about something that we know about that we think other people don't know about and explain it, right? That's one Correct. segment. We can find a topic about which other people know a lot, and we don't know anything, and we can try to figure it out, or like you know, sort of like dip a toe into like a strange world. Matt, right? I have a third suggestion, real quickly. We find a topic that we know nothing about, but also then explain it. Well, okay. See, this is the thing, and this is I think because I was listening to um, the My Brother, My Brother and Me podcast did a special episode like eulogizing. Uh, Yahoo Answers. So I was thinking about the their Yahoo Answers segment. And what occurs to me is that what, what worked so well about it is that instead of, like, them coming from a place of information um, and, like, the question ask, asker not having any information or the other way around, where, like, you know, um, like, one, like, you know, the other person has the information and they don't. With the Yahoo Answers segment, neither party had any information. Like... The, the question asker was, you know, clearly uh, lacking, and the brothers had no expertise, right? And so it was just pure riffing, which I think is kind of what made it work so well. And yeah, the, the Ann Landers thing could work. It's a little close, 
but let's let's give it let's let's give it a run through. Let's 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 explore this a little bit. For sure, man. Have, okay. Because we have a list so, of these, right? Like Mark uh, Mark Pearl pulled the yeah, for Mark, us. Yeah, Mark Fonsom, Here we go. This question is from the. Oh, do we have a, 19... do we have a name for this segment, Dave? Oh, I, I got I have nothing. I, absolutely nothing. Total okay. blank. I got as far as segment quest with you. Okay, Matt, here's the question. This comes from 1955. This is an official Dear Abby. What is the proper attire for women attending a garden club meeting where they exchange plants, bulbs, soil, and fertilizer? Some of the members come dressed in high heels, fancy hats, and rhinestone jewelry like they were going to church. Others come in house dresses, emphasis marks, I think, and flat shoes. I am frankly confused. That's the name. Um... Here is here's what I love about this person. Okay. This person has managed to convey in the form of a question disdain for somehow both of these groups. Yeah, and the thing is, at least from a 2021 perspective, this is not a broad spectrum of dress, right? It's not like there are some people who show up in gardening clothes and some people who show up like, dressed for the opera. It's like there are some people who are dressed for the opera, and some people who are dressed for... Like, the balcony of the opera. <laughs> right, yeah, like, a different <laughs> section of the same opera audience. Yeah. Um, and so first if she, of all... So if she despises both poles of, or, you know, both uh, sides of this, there's not a lot of wiggle room in between, right? No, here is my here is my deep hope is that this is written by like just like a woman who is like a hardcore gardener. I imagine she is I don't know that she's single. This like I don't know that she's single, but I want her to be single. And she's just like fiercely devoted to she's like a weird vodka aunt, but of like the night of 1955, uh-huh, right? Uh-huh. Is she potentially a lesbian? Potentially. Yes. Potentially. She is. And she is just, she has no, like, she is showing up in, like, slacks and, like, heavy-duty wellies with, like, a trunk full of, of gardening stuff. That's where she's at. She has no space for anybody who is, <laughs> who is not absolutely dedicated to this. Well, because she does, like, okay, if you were just exchanging, like, potted plants right like you've dug up a little plant from your garden and you're gonna come and you're gonna trade it to somebody else who has a plant in a pot right that's one thing but she specifically says we are trading both soil and fertilizer soil yes soil and fertilizer so like and this is 1955 so she's like okay so we all get together middle of the day um and we trade piles of dirt and Right? <laughs> I think so, yes. Um. So, yeah. I mean, the thing that you come with is probably a wheelbarrow, I assume. Uh, but, yeah. Uh, I, I do not... I don't, I don't see the, the practical side of high heels. Now, I don't wear high heels myself. So, I don't know what it is like to garden in high heels. Maybe, if you're an expert enough gardener... You just need to keep it challenging, you know. Like entry level gardening clothes are canvas pants and rubber boots. But if you're if you're in the game, if you're deep in the game, you've been doing it for years, and you can somehow manage to bring like you know a a yard of uh, soil to a garden swamp, and uh, you know bring back a a bunch of stuff to your own home, and not manage to screw up your rhinestone jewelry. That's, I mean, you, you got to respect it. I got to admit, it is deeply impressive. So did did we come up with an answer for this person? Did Abby come up with I an answer I don't know for that we person? did. I tell you what, Matt, I'm going to tell you. I don't think we came up with an answer for this person. I do think we came up with an answer as to whether this was going to work for Segment Quest. Okay, well, listen. It's called Segment Quest because we're on a quest for a segment. We can't what just... a dis- journey, Matt. We can't just a decide. A journey of discovery? Yeah. We, we can't just decide that we have... That we have come to the conclusion of our quest after one week i want to cycle through some options here so let's let's put this in the let's put this in the positive column and maybe bring it back into the rotation but i i i expect you to come with something new next week that is your assignment no worries i am on it 
Cool, because as I mentioned earlier, I cannot mentally concentrate on any single thing, at least for the next week. So I'm going to need you to do that for me. Um, Dave, we're going to take a break. We're going to watch episode 38 of Denji Sentai Mega Ranger. It is called Scary, Nezi Regia's Fiendish Squadron. Written by Junki Takagami. Original air date, November 16th, 1997. Of course, you can watch along on the DVDs or at ShoutFactoryTV.com. Guys, I recommend that you do. This week is good. It's got other rangers, and those rangers... Oh, yeah. Those rangers are kind of psycho. Anyway, uh, we will be back right after this. Okay. Welcome back. Dave, good app. Very good app. A classic. A cl- well, a classic trope, I think we can say. Yeah. Uh, I think I think that this is like the most famous example of this classic trope in Sentai. Or at least really? at least insofar as um uh I will get to it. We'll get to it. Um I don't want to give it away, although it is not too far into the episode that it happens, but Speaking of the episode, it begins. Kenta is getting some snacks. Because that's what he does. He loves to eat. He's getting takoyaki for the team. I don't know if he's paying for it. He seems to be, which seems unlike him. It does seem... You know, man, okay, listen. Uh, This is character evolution, right? This is Kenta growing up. Maybe he got a few bucks. He's like, you know what? I could buy and eat all this takoyaki myself. Or... I could share it with the team. Takoyaki holds an interesting uh, interesting place in my personal food universe in that it is at the very top of the pyramid of foods that I think are fascinating to cook and very little interest in eating. <laughs> like the method for making takoyaki, I find eternally fascinating. Uh, I have zero interest in eating takoyaki. Um. Well, uh, it's a good thing that Kent is here, because he will eat all of it. Um, He will. So he calls everyone to say, like, hey, I got some takoyaki, and I'm bringing it to you. And then he gets a message on his digitizer that is Dr. Kubota saying, hey, you idiot. That is a super, like, a superhero device. It is not your personal cell phone. Don't just call your friends and tell them about your snacks. Okay, now, on one hand, I get what Dr. Kubota is saying. On the other, okay, now, wait, let's transport ourselves. I was about to be like, Dr. Kubota, like, it clearly is obviously a cell phone. And then I thought, transport yourself back to the rule, the the primitive world of 1997. When you had to pay money for every individual text, right? That was a real thing. So the idea that there is, like, an extremely limited amount of bandwidth on these things <laughs> is a lot more reasonable in, in 1997. Did you people, did young people know that? Did you know you used to have to pay money for each individual text? Yeah, your, your plan, like, your monthly phone plan included a finite number of texts that you were paying for. And if you went yeah. over that number, it cost you a lot more money. Yeah, uh, it also would have a finite number of minutes. Like, you can use this cell phone for, you know, 400 minutes over the course of the month Well, now, da- to, now, make, Dave, we to talking, make phone calls. Are we talking about daytime minutes or nighttime minutes? Oh, yeah, daytime minutes or nighttime minutes. That's right, because nighttime minutes were cheaper. Daytime minutes were more expensive. Sure, sure, because people were using the phones for business, didn't want to tie up the lines, right? I think that yeah, was the... Yeah, this all sounds... Dude, the, I am saying this, I, and here's... I lived this, saying it sounds like the ravings of a madman. It makes it sound like we are our grandmother, and like, oh yeah, when I was a kid, my phone was a party line, and like, sometimes yep. you'd try to get on the phone, but you couldn't, because your next door neighbor was on the phone. <laughs> anyway. Anyways, so we got so the Rangers have managed to oh, meet I'm up. Oh, I'm sorry. Real, real brief aside before we get back into before we move on. Rather, um, there is a tall Steve sighting in this scene. Yes, thank goodness. I'm just glad that the man is safe. Uh, anyway, so Kenta is annoyed um, with Doctor Kubota, but he's handing out the snacks to the rest of the team. They sit down, and this other guy 
Another student named Yasuda sits down on the park mm-hmm. bench next to them, and he pulls and out Yasuda. A, what appears to be a calculator, a flip-top yes. calculator. But it's not. It's a PDA. Now, a PDA is a, a, PDA. Per, is a personal digital assistant. Imagine if you had a smartphone, but it wasn't a phone. It was and just it the other smart. stuff. <laughs> Yeah, like it was just the other stuff. It was just like your calendar and a notepad and a bunch of other things. I got a PDA. I want to say my sophomore year of college, I was convinced. I was like, this is it. This is the thing that's going to help me like stay organized. Because like I have always chasing that dragon. Always chasing that dragon, man. No, you know what? Google Calendar. It's just everything is in my Google Calendar now. I finally, I finally like started to break through. Anyways, uh, I never used it. Dad ended up using it, and he loved it. Anyways, they're like, what is going on? Or Kenta is blown away by this. And the other rangers are like, it's a PDA. And somebody starts to talk about what a PDA is. And Miku's like, whoa, 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 whoa. Hold up. It's Kenta you're talking to. Just try to explain this in terms Kenta could understand. Which, like, Miku, okay, A, Miku, I do understand it, but B, he is, he is like, literally right there. Yeah, although he does appreciate it, because now he understands. He's like, oh, it's like a little computer? Weird, okay. <laughs> um, But then, like, he sort of, like, whispers aside to Miku. He's like, I don't want one of those. That's stupid. We have our digitizers. Those are, like, those are already, like, cell phones, and I think they're also computers, maybe, and they turn us into superheroes, and they get, like, reception when you're in the subway. It's incredible. What do I want that guy's junky, like, flip calculator thing for? And so... (laughs) Um... So we get the, we go from there, the workers, there's worker, we're at like a job site or something, I forget when there's workers running away and it's evil rangers. Yes. Now we don't know they're evil. It's okay. What we see is the rangers. We see the mega rangers and they are being evil. Well, and also, so you, clearly. Know, the, you know how the mega rangers have like those like five squares in the line across their chest that are multicolored. These ones, all the squares are black. I totally, I did absolutely alighted right over that detail. Oh, yeah. I absolutely did not notice that. Yeah. Um, so you know they're evil, but it's subtle. I mean, it, it actually is subtle, but um, it is subtle because I totally missed it. The fact that they are evil is not subtle because because they are uh, because they are evil, acting evil because and doing evil things. Yeah, they're definitely doing evils. Uh, so, anyways, the other rangers arrive. The real rangers arrive, and they're like. Hey, you're not allowed to do that. Right. And and the evil rangers are like, well, we dressed like we dressed this way to respect you. Because you're the, the fiercest, fiercest warriors. warriors. Yeah. Uh we will kill you now. Right. And also and now that we're now that we've planet. seen you, we are not impressed. <laughs> yeah. Uh and that's it turns out to be a very reasonable uh very <laughs> assessment to make because they mop the floor with the real rangers yeah. uh the real the real rangers are 100 percent out of their depth they cannot handle these guys at all yeah so they are all reeling from this attack they and at this point the evil mega rangers transform into their true evil uh, team selves and they are the nezi rangers they are elect evil electric sentai nezi ranger and that's yes. a cool name. Uh, they look super flies. They look amazing. So these are, um, if you do not watch Sentai, but you do watch Power Rangers, Power Rangers in space, these are the Psycho Rangers. Um, and what I was saying earlier, Dave, is I think that at least in Power Rangers, the Psycho Rangers are like the best remembered version of like the evil mirror team. Okay, got it. Yeah, they look amazing. They look super, super. They like actually. I. I mean, I hate to say it. They look dramatically cooler than the real Rangers. Well, you know, this it's, is it's like the a very hero villain thing, right? Like the the hero looks a hero is always going to have a more sort of basic costume, and villains get more you know, flowery bits. 
and like jagged edges and stuff unless it's the 90s in which case it's hard to tell the difference yeah it's very difficult to tell i uh so they look very cool they've also got kind of like a bat theme going on they look great yeah they're like bats who are also bugs who are also superheroes but villains mm-hmm. um yeah and they are about to kill the mega rangers when mega silver appears he manages to like turn the tides enough that they're like yeah whatever we're out of here um but they do say, like, this isn't over. Like, we are going to kill you later. Just not right now. They're just like, not right, but it's coming. Honestly, we definitely, it's we'll, not, we'll catch it, up it's with not you even later. a huge rush. Yeah. So what we find out is that, oh, they are doing a little thing where they seem to be, abs- during the fight, before Silver shows up, they do seem to be doing some sort of thing where they're, like, absorbing power. Yes. From the from the Rangers. We didn't mention that, but it's, it's like, pretty quick, but it seems to be happening. So now they are talking to, they're talking to Kubota, and they're like, what is, what is going on with these guys? Like, who are these dudes, and why are they so much stronger than us? And he says, this is actually very bad. <laughs> this is actually very bad, Kubota says. He says, I, he's like, it has not come up with you guys before, because, like, why would it? But the dude who originally designed your mega suit tech is Samajima. And Samajima, we, of course, know is Dr. Hanalar. Uh, he's been referenced in the past. I don't know that they specifically said that he was the guy who came up with the mega suit technology. No, what he said is that Samajima was the was like Dr. Kubota's main like partner in yes. INET as they were developing this stuff. And that Samajima's uh speciality, his expertise rather, was in developing power suits like this. So I right. think that the Mega Rangers suits those, I think, are a design of, like, a combined design of, you know, Yusuku and Dr. Kubota. But the Mega, the, yes. the, the Neja Ranger suits, when Dr. Kubota saw those, he's like, oh, rats. Those look a lot like the ones that Samajima, my old pal, who disappeared into the Nezare dimension, was working on. Yeah, so I think the and idea... He, at and least he the- is better at that than me at making this sort of thing. So if those are his, right. then we're in trouble. We have a problem. Yeah, the vibe that I get is that, like, the Mega Ranger suits that exist now are kind of, like, based on Samajima's notes, but finished by Dr. Kubota. Yeah. And as you say, like, Samajima is, is the real, like, master of this particular technology. So he's like, this is very, he's like, this is not great. Yeah, it's like um, um the the Mega Rangers... Are the the Gundams from Gundam Wing, and the Nezir Ranger suits are the Tolkies. That's a good way to say it. That's a good way to say it, Matt. I'm going to be honest with you. Do I periodically just go back? There is like one image, and it's from. It's not from Gundam Wing. It's from the Gundam Wing movie when uh, they have like the updated, the updated ones. Mm-hmm. And it is a spot where Gundam Heavy... It's the updated Gundam Heavy Arms. Heavy Arms Custom. Heavy Arms Custom. Thank you. And it is just like he lands in the midst of like a giant... Like a bunch of other mechs. And he like drops his arms down. And if you watch a bunch of anime, you know what I mean. It's that move where like... It's that animation bit where like they move super fast and then stop very suddenly. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. And he's got, like, two dual Vulcan cannons uh-huh. on on each arm. And he just absolutely... I'm watching it right now. It is locked into my memory. It's one of my favorite anime sequences of all time. Uh, it's He's just got shoulder rocket launchers. Yeah, it's great, man. His oh, chest opens man. up. Oh, it's so good. Anyways, so he... We're in the Nezare dimension, and... The Nezare Rangers are there. King Javius is super duper into this. He's like, this is amazing. These guys look dope. Uh, I love your plan to kill the Rangers. I love it. I love every. I love the whole plan, top to bottom. He thinks. Yes. There's a secret that Javius doesn't know about yet. We'll get to that in a minute. So Shibboleth and Uganda, however, are bummed. They're like, dude, you also 
created us, what gives? Are we not good enough for you now? And Hanalar says, no, 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 no. Shibalina, my dear, you misunderstand. Yeah, like, uh, I have created the Nezi Rangers, and their specific task is to kill the Mega Rangers. But, like, you you and Uganda were, were spread too thin. You were trying to destroy the world and fight the Mega Rangers. So I want you to focus on your tasks of, like, mind control and destruction. And then these five dudes over here will just laser focus in on murdering those other five people. <laughs> It's going to be great. Six, and I then Jivlin is like, oh, yeah, this is okay. This is a very good plan. So, um, what we find so the Nether Rangers go to Earth, and what they have done is they're like, we hacked the digitizers. We figured this out, and now we can scan for the signal. And as soon as we hear the see, we like get the signal for the um, Henshin, we will be able to get there faster, and we will just murder those fools before they can turn into the Mega Rangers. Which, frankly, is a brilliant plan. Yeah, and it's not just when they henchen. Like, basically, any time the digitizer is used for anything. So, like, if they make a phone call, like... Like, we will. And, and as we know from earlier in the episode, Kenta loves to make phone calls on his digitizer. So that's a problem, potentially. I mean, it's definitely if if Kenta can cause a potential problem, it will definitely become a problem. Sure, sure, sure. So they the the Nezu Rangers go back down to Tokyo, and they are just scanning all cell phone activity throughout the city, um, and just like waiting. Again, nineteen ninety seven, not as insane as it sounds. Yeah, not quite so much. Um, back at the digital research lab, Miku asks Kenta. What's wrong? And Kent is like, oh, well, I'm just sad about Dr. Kubota because he had this friend and the friend disappeared. And maybe the friend is evil now. We don't actually. Like unclear. We don't really know. um, And like, it just bums me out. Like, you know, he's a good dude and he's not feeling great. And that makes me sad. And Miku says, well, why don't we all go up to space tomorrow and do something and cheer him up? Kenta says, I do really like that that is an option. Like, let's just go up to space tomorrow yeah. and, and cheer him up. Uh, so Kenta says, like, yes, he's, great plan. Why, I am going to call the rest of the team and fill them in on what the plan is. Right. And they're like, no, don't. It turns out, like, Yasuda shows up. And he's just like, hey, guys, what's up? Check out my cool PDA. Uh, so they kind of dip because they're trying to make this call. But then when Yasuda uses his PDA... The Nezer Rangers show up and beat him up. And uh, we get a montage, basically, of this happening where the Nezer Rangers have mistaken the signal from the digitizers for the signal from the PDA. So they're just, like, beating up a bunch of random people and being like, you're a Rangers, we know you are. The people will be like, we have no idea what you're talking about. Yeah, and I think this is, okay, here is my theory about this, is that technology moves pretty fast, Right. And Dr. Hinalar has been away from our dimension for, what, a year, two years, maybe? I'm not sure exactly. I feel, like it's a li- I feel like it's a little bit longer than that. But, like, no more than five, I guess I would say. So, my theory here is that Dr. Hinalar is like, okay, we have scanned and, like, gotten the read on this, like, transmission pattern. So, we know... You know, if we recognize this, like, super advanced technology happening, then we will know that it's the digitizers. But he has just lost track of the fact that, like, regular people just have, like, PDAs that seem to have, like, some sort of, like, cellular service. (laughs) Um, And are, like, you know, attaching to the internet wirelessly, you know, just sort of throughout the city. And when he, like, when he gets a scan on that, like, 3G... He's like, well, that must be a superhero. That's got it. Nobody else, else knows how to have use this technology. 3G. Or one, one G. It would have been like what zero G at that point, I think. So, anyways, like a bunch of people getting beat up, and then the um, Yusuku figures this out. He figures actually everything out. He's just like, ooh, a this is why they're beating up people with PDAs, but also you can't use your digitizers because if you do. 
they will like know and they'll mess you up. Yeah. Now, the immediately after that, the Neza Rangers also figure out that like, oh, we've been like getting this like this boofed signal that we don't actually that we don't actually care about. Yeah. So, but the thing is, they don't seem to care. They're like, well, uh, this is going to take longer because we've got to beat up all these other people until we find the Mega Rangers. But they don't seem like they're going to stop. Like, they have not changed yeah, their plans. Like their... They have just changed their know. expectations for the timeline. <laughs> right. Well, there's no motivation for them, right? Yeah. There's no motivation for them to stop. Like, they were just willing to cast a very broad net of people that they can beat up as long as they do at some point get the Rangers. No problem. Yeah. So, uh, back in the digital research lab, they're talking about how Yasuda was attacked the day before. Kenta's like, man... Why didn't we know about it? Yeah, Kenta's like, this is really bad. We need to call Dr. Kubota and tell him. And he's about to call him when Dr. Kubota walks in the room. Yeah, he's like, don't! Don't do that! And they're like, what's going on? And he's like, let me explain. And then he explains everything. Um... And he's like, listen, don't fight. Do not fight. In fact, you are, I, you are, you are locked out of digitizers. Like, oh, that's right. I, he's like, I locked you guys out. They're not going to work. Uh, this is an awesome, like, Kubota as dad moment. And we get a few of these throughout the show. And they always feel really great. And Kubota's just like, listen, I feel bad enough that I made you part of this. Like, I kind of did because I didn't have a choice. But having done that, I'm not going to let you be... I'm going to be as responsible as I possibly can. There's no way you can win this right now. Just sit this one out. Right. Like we, He's like, I'm going to go to... Like, we've got other things that we can try. Like, you are benched. I know you're mad that your friend was attacked. But, like, you can't just gamble with your lives yeah. like this. So he's like, I'm going to go to Simon Jima's place. I'm going to look for clues. You guys stay here. Of course, they, he does. Of course, they don't stay there. He, they follow him. He goes into Simon Jima's place. He's kind of looking around. The he Rangers just has to... a key to Simon Jima's place because the gate is locked. There's like a chain around it. And when we see... <laughs> and then like a second later, he's just inside. And, uh, the, and later we am... see that the gate is open. Oh, that's right. I was going to assume that he just like jumps the gate or something. No, I, I think it just has a key to Samajima's place. His mansion. That would make sense. His like abandoned mansion friends. on the outskirts of town. Right. You've got a key to my place. That's true. Um, so anyways, the Rangers try to follow him in, but there's a force field. I lit I have no idea who set the force field up. I don't know if it's like Nezere. I don't know if Kubota did it, but there's a force field. I, I, it's so, It's got to be the Nezere because... We also now see a statue that was in the front yard of this mansion, like, shift around and get all twisty because there is a influx of power from the Nezere dimension. Oh, okay. Then that makes, yeah, that makes a lot of sense then. Uh, and as this happens, Dr. Hinalar appears to Dr. Kubota as, like, a hologram man. And, and he's like, it's ah, weird because, Kubota. like, you know... This is the first time that, obviously, the first time that Dr. Kubota has seen Dr. Hinalar. And we are used to the fact that Dr. Hinalar looks weird because he's got, like, big purple hair. But mm -hmm. this reminded me that, like, the last time Dr. Kubota saw Samajima, he was a guy. And this has got to be kind of a shock for him, right? Yeah, no, he... <laughs> And he says as much. He's like, are you, what is S Samajima? Is that, no. But is it? There's definitely, he kind of gets all of that into his face. Um, while, okay, so we're kind of bouncing back and forth between two different things here. Kent is trying to get in. He contacts Yusuku. He's like, Hinalar is talking to Kubota. And Hinalar is basically just like, I'm not sure what you're trying to accomplish. I am going to murder you. I'm going to murder everybody on Earth. I'm going to take over the planet. And he says he's going to take over the Nezere. That's right. This is the first time that Hinalar has, on screen at least, explicitly dropped his overall plan, which is also presumably like destroy Javius and take over the Nezere as well. Yeah, we got hints of that um, back when... 
um, Guy Rail was around and butting heads with Dr. Hanalar. But, like, mm-hmm. at this point, it is pretty clear. I mean, it is not pretty clear. It is clear, because he says it, that his plan is to, like, take down Earth and Nezere and rule both. Um, so they, in calling Yusku, they have alerted the, um, the Nezure Rangers, right? Because just the act of using the digitizer as a phone will alert them. But what they have done is they said, like, listen, we wouldn't call you if it wasn't an emergency, but it is an emergency. So we're going to need you to unlock the transformation sequence on our digitizers. And also, as a side thing... Could you please deploy the digitank? And yep. this is very cool. So we get um so the digitank rolls down and <laughs> we get a very cool like ninja run animation as the Nezen Rangers are chasing after it. They finally catch up with it and they open it up, and it's a distraction. There's like a signal booster or something in there. So while they were chasing that, then they, then the real rangers were able to henshin. Yeah, and this gave uh, Yusku and Tall Steve time to hack the digitizers to unlock the the, the parental codes, the parental control codes that um, Dr. Kubota had put on them. Yeah. At so- some point <laughs> in this, Yusku refers to Tall Steve as Pops. And I don't know if he's saying that because he's like, because Tall Steve is older than him and it's a joke about that. Or if Tall Steve's name is Pops. But that's weird because his name is Tall Steve. And it's and Pops would be a weird nickname. Yeah, that would. Yeah, that would be very odd. So, um... They enter the fight. Now, it's Nessa Rangers versus Mega Rangers. And the Mega Rangers are like, you can't beat us. And it's just like, man, guys, it very Actually, much definitely yeah, seems. Just did. Super duper ago. seems like they can. Uh, they do a, the Nessa Rangers do like a super joined, like join hands and like gather our power, like a blast of electricity attack. And it's incredibly effective. It absolutely, it destroys the Rangers. Uh-huh. But here's the twist. While we are watching that happen, we are flashing back to the Nezari dimension where King Javius, 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 is like writhing. Well, his one big eye that we can see on the screen is like writhing in agony. He's like, oh, no, what's happening? My power, it's being drained. Yeah, so the Nezarangers somehow are drawing their energy and power directly from Javius. Yeah, and this seems to be what uh, Hinalara's plan is. Is like he has made this unstoppable fighting force, who is like not only doing his bidding and defeating his enemies, but also weakening his boss. And then I assume his pivot is then going to be sending the Nezir Rangers to fight Javius. And like, yeah, I mean that's always gotta be you know pretty 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 cool move, Doctor Hinalara. Actually, I mean you're evil, but pretty nice move. Yeah, I was gonna say it's um dude's not a genius for nothing. Like this is this is a pretty brilliant plan. Yeah. Uh he, he does tell Dr. Kubota that his uh, revenge is just beginning now. Um Love it. Now the Nezer Rangers are totally winning this fight, but when Javius starts to freak out, it like I think it like disrupts them in some way. Mm-hmm. And they like fade out and disappear and head back to base. Uh, Kenta and Dr. Kubota are like both apologizing to each other. Kenta's like, oh, I'm, I'm sorry we weren't able to protect everything. And Dr. Kubota's like, I'm sorry I got you drawn into all of this. And at this point, Kenta's like, listen, I understand your concern, but like, this is our battle. Like, we can't not be, we, there's no one else to be doing this. We have to be doing yeah, this. And right. I understand your like, concern. We do live but, like, here. but like, you know, let us, you have to let us fight. Yeah, and then that's it. Yeah, that's this the end of the episode. Is, oh man, we're rolling in towards the end. It's episode thirty-eight. It's a great cliffhanger episode. I was very excited. Um, yeah. So that's it for the episode. We, of course, normally we would rank a monster in the creature royale, but 
there's not a new monster to rank this week, or at least not a new monster that has been defeated. I'm sure eventually we will rank the uh, Nezu Rangers, um, and they will probably rank pretty high because they're cool. But um, yeah, for we, we've sure. got to let them. We got to let them sort of run their series of episodes, which will be a few episodes, I think, because I, I saw the preview the preview for next week's episode, and it is not like the big showdown with those guys. It is just. An episode in which I think one of those guys appears. Oh, okay, nice man. Like so to now, see I, that. yeah, I think they're just sort of like in the show for a while. They're in the mix, which is cool. Anyway, that's going to do it for another episode of the Spy Who Loved Mega Ranger. Before we finish up here, I'd like to remind you all that you can email the show at supersentibrothers at gmail if you want to get any updates on future episodes or check out the things that we're talking about on Twitter. We are on there at supersentibros. If you like the show, please remember that shining in the iTunes review section, there are five stars. If you'd like to rate and review us on iTunes or the podcatcher of your choice, that would be very kind of you. The Super Sentai Brothers are a production of Retrograde Orbit Radio. If you'd like to listen to any of the other great Retrograde Orbit Radio shows, you can find them all at RetrogradeOrbitRadio.com. Once again, we are the Super Sentai Brothers. I'm Matt. I'm Dave. And we'll see you next week for the greatest show on Earth.